You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Well, good morning, church. <laughs> Great to see you today. Um, if we haven't met, um, my name is Javier, and I have the privilege of uh, bringing God's Word to you today. Uh, dear church, it is uh, my joy to be with you uh, all today. Uh, it's been uh, far too long since my last visit, and um, a lot has changed uh, since then. Uh, before, uh, before the last time I, I, I came, um, last time I came, uh, I was a single man. Uh, now I am married. Um, so thank you, thank you everyone for the, the kind wishes and um, yeah, the kind wishes and of, of, of love that you've sent me and Kathy uh, after our wedding. We are very blessed and we're very thankful for your love. Um, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, we have been unpacking this uh, great series on, on resolving conflict, uh, on, on relationships. And I don't know about you, but I have found it very helpful. Uh, very helpful, particularly uh, for that uh, new relationship that I have in my life uh, called marriage. <laughs> um, and it's been helpful for us as well um, yeah, to think through how we ought to relate to others whether it's friends, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's uh, our fathers or mothers or sisters. By the way, let me just say to all those fathers here today, happy Father's Day. Um, it, it is a joy uh, and a gift to be able to be a father. Uh, so thank you. We're thankful for, for, for fathers. So ha- happy Father's Day. Um, we, today, we are going to be tackling the last um, sermon on this series. And it is the last, and I think, I think is the one that I find uh, often the most difficult. Um, and, and we'll get there uh, in a second. But, you know, we've all through, through this series, we've gone through um, what does it mean for us to not be quiet, but actually uh, not be afraid from, from conflict, but actually uh, be prepared to, to tackle it. What does it mean to... Um, bring light into conversations? What does it mean to uh, go to high ground? How Jesus desires reconciliation and it is tied intrinsically to the gospel. And today we are going to be tackling the topic, how to overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Um, I don't know if you've seen these this chart over here, <clears throat> I think this chart summarizes very well um, conflict. Pastor Sam presented this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he said, look, there's often three steps that you can take uh, in a conflict. Now, the first one is if, if, if someone has offended you, if, if you have a, a struggle with someone, well, the first one, um, you, you need to ask yourself, can I overlook it? Can I let it go? Uh, if the answer is yes, then you've won. <laughs> uh, if the answer is no, then step one is perhaps to, to uh, talk it out with a person. Engage that person privately. Right? If, you're, if you're able to resolve it quietly, then you've won. If you're not able to resolve it privately, then perhaps it's a good idea to involve someone, involve others uh, to help them mediate, to help them resolve it together. Um, if you've successfully resolved it, then again, you've won. Uh, but if not, 
then perhaps a good opportunity to, to bring it to the church, uh, bring it to, to, to the pastor, to the board, um, so again, so that it could be resolved and we can see what God has to say about the matter. Can we resolve it? We win. If not, uh, then the last matter is, is church discipline. I, I think this, this summarizes quite well um, conflict resolution. But the question uh, that I want to pose to you today is, how do we respond? How do we respond when there is evil in these conflict relationships? How do we respond to, to evil in general? Um, prayer is a good answer, I think I heard there. That's great. Uh, and evil is, 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 is something we cannot escape from in our lives. Because it's, first of all, because in, in our nature, uh, it's it's all around us. Uh, recently, I've been um, following um, the war in Ukraine. I don't know if you've if if you've been following the war on Ukraine. It's just devastating. It is really heartbreaking to see some of the pictures and the stories that have come through it. How do we respond to evil? How do we respond? Uh, when we've been hurt, when someone is trying to hurt us, how do we respond? How would you respond? I was thinking this morning, how would you respond if, if Putin himself walked into a service today and sat in front of you? Perhaps we don't have to go too far. Um, to stretch our minds that far? How would you respond if perhaps a person that um, caught you through in the intersection while you were driving here, if he came and sat next to you? Or perhaps that person who, uh, who hurt you and you, you haven't spoken to in a long time? Or perhaps that person that gossiped behind you, your back, and hurt you? How would you respond? Um, culture, the culture in which we live uh, influences us a lot on how we respond. Particularly, you, you might have heard this concept, but we live in a time uh, where culture wars are, are prevalent. Um, These culture wars are, it, it's when the, the culture battles certain issues that create conflicts in our minds. Issues such as abortion, Homosexuality, transgender rights, racism, politics, vaccine, etc. And the culture persuades us to believe that if anyone thinks differently to us, then they are intolerant. They're disrespectful against us. They are our enemy. Culture uh, moves us to portray only two, two views of a person. They are, they're either our allies or they are our enemies. They're either with us or against us. It's a very divisive thought. So today we are going to unpack, we're going to look what the Bible has to say about this. And how we ought to respond. And before we do that, 
I'm going to invite you just to ask God to help us <laughs> as we unpack this. So, dear Father, I just want to pray that as we unpack this subject, that you would steer our hearts. Holy Spirit, anoint us to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Help us to understand uh, your commandments. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So what does the Bible have to say about this? Well, if you have your Bibles, and I just realized that they're not Bibles in the pews. So this could prove challenging. But worry not. I do have a Bible, and I'm going to be reading chapters for you and verses for you. I made the mistake of not including the verses on the slides. So if you have a Bible, you're going to find it easier if you follow with me. Um, regardless, I'm going to make an effort to read through some of these scripture. Thank you, Cheryl, for reading um, Romans chapter 12. That's a passage that we have today. There's four things, four things that we find in... Um, Let's see if we can go to the next slide. Can we go to the next slide? Um, there's four things that the passage that Cheryl read to us uh, tell us about how we ought to respond um, to conflict, to enemies, to, um, to division. The first one, it says in verse 14, listen, listen closely, it says, You are to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And then in verse 20, Paul um, elaborates what this is. He says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Let me help you put this into context for a second. Paul, who is writing this letter, Paul, who is writing himself, he himself had persecuted Christians. So what he's saying here is, is not, not, not shy from remarkable. He's saying that you are to bless your enemies, even if they are murderers, even if they have murdered your friends and family. That sounds radical. Paul himself was witness uh, of Stephen's stoning. If you look at chapter 7, Stephen was stoned for preaching the gospel. And Paul in chapter 8, he says that he was there to approve it, to feed to prove it. And you know what this means? It means that he has come to understand a radical call, a radical call for us to bless even those who hurt us in the most deepest way. That's the first calling. We're to bless those who persecute us. And we're going to unpack this uh, as we go through a service. I'd just like to, to outline this for you. The second one. Thank you, Neil. Um, is to show empathy and harmony. Empathy and harmony. Now, the words empathy are the word empathy is not there, uh, but I'm read this to you, and I'm going to help you unpack where that is. If you look at verse 15, it reads, "Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Uh, there's this theologian called Leon Morris. Leon Morris is a New Testament scholar. He's Australian. Yeah, great uh, theologian, Australians. Um, in his commentary for, for this verse, he says, the literal translation of the word here, live in harmony with one another and do not be haughty with us with lowly. Uh, that literal translation, the Greek, could be something along these lines. Think in the same manner to one another. Think the same thing to one another. What Paul is trying to say here is that we ought to rejoice with those who mourn. We're to rejoice, uh, sorry, we're to mourn uh, with those who weep and we're to rejoice with those who rejoice, even if they are our enemies. Can you think about that? Wow, that's, that's remarkable. That's very hard. Paul is saying, if your enemy, coming back to Paul in the context in which he is, He's saying, if someone has hurt you, if someone has cut you deeply, you ought to think of them the same way that you think of those you love. I wonder if you, I wonder how you, how you think about your loved ones on a cold morning like today. You wonder, oh, I wonder if my, if my daughter is, is, has a heater on. I wonder if my husband is warm this morning. I wonder if my kids, when they go to school this morning, are going to be warm enough. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope they don't get wet. Would you think the same thing for an enemy, for someone who has hurt you? I wonder if they're going to be warm this morning. That is a radical call that Paul is telling us here. We're to show empathy and harmony. Uh, the third point that we unpack here. Um, if, again, if you turn with me to your Bibles in verse 17. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable inside of all. And then in verse 19, he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves but live it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Not seeking revenge. That's what Paul is telling us here. Again, I, I find it so hard. So hard to, to, to grasp what, what Paul is saying here. But imagine again, if Stephen was one of your brothers, perhaps your father, perhaps your son. And he had been stoned to death in your eyes, in front of you. You would want justice. You would go to every, you would want to go to every single person that threw a rock and confront them. 
And what Paul is saying here is that we are to forego that revenge. He, he gives us a why, though. He gives a why, and the why is because there is no one that can exercise the justice that sinners deserve except from God. It invites us to trust that God is a perfect, just God and trust that he can deliver what we cannot in a way that we cannot. Uh, the four points over here is be responsible for peace. Verse 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I like how it says, uh, I like how Paul says here, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Um, why does it, what does he say that? Well, it means that we are responsible for our actions. You can be responsible for, for keeping the peace or not. You can be responsible. You are the one that is responsible whether an argument continues or not. Have you ever thought about that? When someone offends you, you are the one that decides whether you're going to answer or not. You're responsible for your actions. And Paul is, is telling us here that as far as you're in control, as far as you can exercise your freedom and responsibility, you ought to be responsible for keeping the peace. These are the four points that Paul gives us. Bless those who persecute us. Show empathy and harmony. Do not see revenge and be responsible for peace. All of these can be um, summarized in, in, in a very succinct way, which Jesus puts very simply. We are to love our enemies. Verse 9 says, puts, puts it quite well. Verse 9 says, um, it's, verse 9 is... is it's predecessor to, to what we just read. And it says, let love be genuine. And then he goes on to list this thing. So Paul is saying, hey, real love is to do these four things. But, but what would happen, right? What would happen if, if, if a non-Christian, if someone just out of the world came right now and listened to these four things? You are to love your enemy? He would turn to me and say, you're mad. This is a joke. How can I possibly show kindness to a murderer? How can I treat people that have hurt me as equals? They are monsters. They've hurt me. You're asking me not to seek revenge? But to forgive? How can I forgive someone who has wronged me so much? Don't you, don't you understand the pain that I have felt? And above all, you're asking me to seek peace, to avoid any disagreements, any confrontation with them. Now, th this is what anyone who does not know Christ 
could easily say about these things. In fact, this is something that we ourselves can, can present to God. So that, that just sounds too hard for me, Jesus. God, that just sounds impossible for me to do. Here's four things. I want to I show you there's four things that often prevent us from, from doing these. I don't want to, I'm not going to recap uh, or, go, or dive into these ones too far because we've already gone through some of them in the, in the previous sermons, but I do want us to understand what's happening here. The first, the first thing, that one of the four things that I think stop us, that prevent us from actually loving others, is pride and sin. Sin, but I'm, 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 I think it's helpful to add the word pride there. You see, pride deceives us to think that only those who love us deserve our love. That God only deserves our love if he blesses us. Have you ever been in that position? I wonder if you've ever been in that position and say, oh, I'm just going to be nice to the people that are nice to me. You're the cup after the service, grabbing a cup, and it's like, oh, I'm not getting him a cuppa. He never gets me one. <laughs> right? Hey, you should invite this person to your birthday. No, I'm not inviting Lucy. <laughs> Lucy never calls me to, to say happy birthday my birthday. No, I'm not calling him to say Happy birthday for his birthday. He never sends me a card. Friends, let me tell you, that is not love. That is selfishness. And that's what Jesus says to, to, to the Pharisees. You wash out tombs. Because in the inside, we're, we're only being selfish. And that is not love. And to not love like Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, is to rebel against God. So the first thing that I think stops us from being able to love is to deceive, is this deceived by sin that we're only out to love those who love us, who we think deserve our love. The second thing is pride and sin distorts other people's images and values. It blinds us. Have you ever seen the, the, the horses? Uh, I don't see them in, in Melbourne that much, but there used to be these, these carriages that, that went through, through Melbourne uh, with horses, and the horses had, um, had shades over, over their eyes. And this, so, and this is so that could the drivers could control the horses, and the horses not steer left or right or be distracted by things or get scared. Did you ever see, see those? Um, man, I miss having those chariots in, in Melbourne. They were beautiful. Well, that's what sin does to us. Pride does to us. When we are hurt, we're facing enemies. Uh, sin brings a, bl a blind over our eyes. And we are unable to see the people for who they are. We see them only as enemies. And we see us only as victims. We see them only as people that are intolerant, that are disrespectful. In fact, we don't even see them as people. You know when this happens? Um, this happens the most with people that you're close with. Family members, your husband, 
your wife, your kids. I mean, thinking, um, you know, I, I, I did a vow and said, I'm going to love Kathy <laughs> till death do us apart. Um, I'm going to love my husband, my wife till death do us apart. I'm going to love them unconditionally. But, oh, but he said something back to, back to me. You know, he hurt me in some way, and all of a sudden, boom, we turn. They're enemies. All those vows, all, the, all that love just goes out the window, right? Same thing with, with, with our parents. Same thing with our kids. Oh, they've, they've wronged me. I, don't longer, I no longer see uh, that, that person that I love, that I care for, that are nurtured. I see an enemy. Why? Because I'm hurt. And that's what sin does. It blinds us from being able to see people for who they are. What it does is it diminishes the value that God has put on every human being. Every human being is a son and daughter of God. And they are valued. And what sin does is it removes that value from, from our eyes. So that we only see them as an object of our hurt and an object of our anger. Point number three. Sin deceives us to think that we are righteous enough to exercise justice. Sin and pride deceives us to think that we are righteous enough to exercise justice. One of the big longings of the human heart is justice. Uh, why, why, do, why are we moved so much by stories, by, by movies? And by TV series, and by books, they often tell uh, justice that we cannot attain with our own eyes, with our own lives. Why does it hurt so, so deep when we watch uh, images of the war? We have a longing for justice. And it's the same longing that we have when someone hurts us. Now, what sin does, it's it deceives us to think that we know best that we are righteous enough wise enough to exercise right justice to someone but let me ask you but let me ask you is giving someone the silent treatment when they've hurt you is, is that the right justice is speaking behind someone's back about what they've done to you so that they so they fall out of the grace in other people's eyes so they can be judged by others. Is gossiping, is, is that true justice? Is that righteous justice? Is hurting someone that, that's hurt us, whether by word or action or deed or by thought, is that real justice? The answer is no. Sin blinds us to think that we are God. That we can exercise justice into others' lives. The last point that I have for you that prevents us um, from loving is that sin deceives us to seek our own comfort and pleasure over the good of all. Paul calls us to, to, to keep the peace to avoid um, endless discussions and meaningless discussions. 
But often that is not easy for us. It's actually quite hard. And sin deceives us to seek what is easy, to seek what is going to be better for me, and more comfort. Keeping the peace is hard. Keeping the peace is quite hard. It, 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 it requires me to go out of my comfort zone. And it, it, it requires me to, to say no to that desire to speak up. To fight. It, it's uncomfortable to try and seek peace. And sin decide, deceives us to think, no, no, no. Don't seek peace. Just speak louder than him. Speak louder than her. Jail louder than them. That's an easy thing to do. That was comfortable. Oh, you, you're in a confrontation? Walk away. Be indifferent. That's an easy thing to do. That's what sin deceives us with. It deceives us to, to, to do what, what's easy for us, what's comfortable, what seems comfortable. These are the four things that I think stop us, prevents us from loving. And when you look at the four things that we have on the left, they do sound crazy, right? To love our enemies. They're radical. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says the following. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But us who are, who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let me say to you, there's in the same way uh, that the message of, of the cross is powerful, is powerful and is power to save. The message of the cross gives us an antidote to the matters of our hearts that stop us from being able to love. I'm going to quickly go through these and then wrap up with some um, practical applications. If sin tells us that, that we are to see people for what they've done and not for who they are, that we're not to bless people, but to curse those who persecute us, then Jesus tells us, no, we are to bless one another. Why? Because I have blessed you. In Ephesians it says, I have blessed you with all heavenly and spiritual blessings. I've blessed you with adoption. I've blessed you with redemption, with forgiveness. God has blessed us in Christ with the richness of his grace, with all wisdom, all insight. In echo to Abram's covenant, we have been blessed to be a blessing. And the blessing that Christ comes, comes purely out of grace. In Jesus, we have an example to, to love without expecting anything in return. A love that is pure, that is sacrificial. Jesus, Jesus shows us that we 
are blessed. And Jesus bless, blesses those who are enemies to him, which is us, for we have wronged him. Point number two, Jesus comes to show compassion and mercy for sinners. Paul, tells, Paul calls us to show empathy and harmony to one another. And sin says, uh-uh. The people that hurt you are of no value. How can I show love to sinners around me? And Jesus says, I have come to show compassion and mercy to sinners. I like that passage on Luke uh, chapter, chapter 5, verse, verse 31. Uh, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him, Hey, what do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick are. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. In the same way, we can, we can love and be compassionate and then show empathy to sinners who wrong us. Because they, the, they, they are the ones that need healing. That need to come to know the love of Christ, the love of God. Third point. Sin deceives us to think that we can take revenge. The revenge is ours. But Jesus is the one who, the one and only judge. In, in John chapter 5 it says that God the Father has given Jesus the judgment. And that Jesus will come to raise the good to life and the evil to judgment. And we can trust. We can trust in Jesus. In Jesus we have an example of trusting. Jesus did not come. Jesus says I did not come here to condemn. I've come here to save. We can trust that Jesus is the perfect justice. God will bring perfect justice. The fourth point is Jesus has brought us peace with God through his grace. Um, in Isaiah chapter 6, um, the prophet Isaiah says, that the Messiah, the Savior, that we will call him what? We will call him Prince of Peace. Jesus is a Prince of Peace. In Jesus we have perfect peace. The desire that God has for his people, for you and for me, is to abide in a kingdom of peace. And we are able to show this peace because we are in peace with God. We know what peace is like. Because Jesus has brought us peace. God recognizes his sons as peacemakers. In Matthew chapter 5 um, verse 9. This is in the Beatitudes. You would have heard these before. Where Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He says. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. If we, if we seek peace, which is not easy. We've just, we've just seen. Seeking, seeking peace is bringing, bringing us out of our 
this out of our comfort zone. It's striving. Peace is to, is to, wear, to wage war against our sin. But if we do so, we are abiding in, in God. We're living under God's rule. We are called sons of God and daughters. So friends, I'm going to leave you with, with four practical applications on how can, we, how can we apply these to our lives. The first one is you can bless your enemies because you yourself have been blessed in Christ to be a blessing. We are able to bless, to bless those who persecute us. Even in conflicts, even in our relationships, we're able to show love to them because we ourselves have been blessed. And friends, let me say this to you. Your love, your love can disarm enemies. Your love can disarm enemies. Paul puts it like this in, in, in Romans 12, uh, chapter, uh, verse 20. He says, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will reap burning coals on his head. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I had terrible neighbors in my apartment. Uh, just terrible. Uh, they would throw parties like crazy. Um, they, they would make loud noises at night. I wasn't able to sleep. It was just terrible. And they would play loud music all the time. And, and you could hear bangings on the walls. I, I, it just sounded like they had a zoo living in their apartment. And I was chatting with someone at, at church about this. And, and they said, oh, I, and, and she said, oh, I had a similar, had a, a similar issue. And I asked, what'd you do? And he said, well, I started baking brownies. <laughs> and said, all right, th were the brownies to appease you? Were you putting the brownies in your ears to stop the noise? So no, I started baking brownies and I would bring brownies to them. And with time, we became good friends. And all of a sudden, the noise after, after you know, um, certain hours stopped. Uh, all of a sudden, they started asking me if I wanted to join the parties. <laughs> so all of a sudden, um, they would ask me or they would tell me in advance, hey, we're going to have people over. And we might be a little bit noisy. But we're, we're going to try to finish early so you can sleep. The love of this person <laughs> disarmed uh, the enemies around her. I wonder what does, the, what does this look like to you in your life? How do you disarm others with, with love? How do you bless those who persecute you? How do you bless your enemies? The second point I want to leave you with is we can love people for who they are. Actually, before we jump to this, to, to, to this point, there's something I want to say that I do not want to forget. If you, are ever, if you ever wonder how to bless your enemies, Jesus tells us clearly, pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Prayer gives you the opportunity to partner up with God, to partner up with God, 
to do his will, to unveil his kingdom, to work in people's heart. If you ever have an enemy, pray for him. It's a powerful thing. You'll see how the walls that divide your heart will be teared down. And God will give you opportunities to love that person. You could also learn a recipe about how to make brownies. Um, second point. We can love people for who they are and not for what they've done. In Jesus, we're able to show empathy to one another. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we, all of us are created in the image of God. That all of us are sons and daughters. And it also tells us that all of us have fallen because of sin. We are able to see people not for what they've done, but for who they are. They are just like us, who were once in sin, but we now see the light. Be compassionate. Show mercy to them, just like you have been shown mercy and compassion. Third point I'm going to leave you with is, we can let go of revenge because we can trust that Jesus will bring perfect justice. We can let go of revenge because we know that we ourselves have been forgiven. Roman puts this, Roman, Romans 5 uh, verse 10 puts it in this beautiful way. Listen to this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's all of us. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, what would dare even to die? But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, or translation says, in that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And because Christ died for us, while whilst we were his enemies, we are able to love our enemies. We're able to show that same love. And to show that same love is to forego revenge, to forgive. We've had a whole sermon in the, in the series about forgiveness, but we're able to forgive and forego and not seek justice by our own hand. The last point that I want to leave you with is that we can pursue peace in our lives under God's kingdom. We can be responsible for peace. The good news of the gospel are not just that God himself became man, incarnate in Jesus. And that he was able, and that because of that, God is able to relate to our pain and our hurt. The good news are not just in the cradle. The good news are not just at the cross where we are forgiven where Jesus died for us to be justified before God. 
The good news are not just that Jesus resurrected and that in that he defeated death and that we have the promise of eternal life in him. The good news are also that God has unveiled his kingdom in our eyes through the Holy Spirit that he has poured into our hearts. And that God is reigning today and forever. And as prince of peace, as a king of peace, we're able to live in peace with one another. And we're able to unveil this peace by the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us. In Galatians chapter 5, when Paul is listing out the blessings of the Spirit. And some of you might know these by heart. In fact, I think most of you might know this or have heard about this. But the fruits of the Spirit, of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. Let me say that again. The fruits of the Spirit are peace. It's peace. You in your hearts, we have peace in our hearts, which comes from the Holy Spirit. And we're able to reach out and when we are tempted to continue disagreement, when we're tempted uh, to have conflict, when we are tempted to, uh, to try to convince our brothers and sisters who are living in sin by discussing with them, we're able to keep the peace. We're able to be patient. We're able to love. We're able to, to have joy. I mentioned earlier in chapters in chapter I mentioned it earlier in chapter seven uh, of Acts. A man just like you and I understood these this calling to love his enemies. He understood the the, the radical calling uh, to bless those who persecuted him. To the point where in front of an, of an assembly of enemies, he went out to preach one of the most beautiful uh, presentations of the, of the Gospels. His name was Stephen. And the things that he spoke about love and peace and Jesus enraged these enemies. And one by one, they picked up a stone. And crying out loud in anger, they started throwing these stones at him. And while he was being stoned, he said these things. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. 
Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Friends, like Stephen, we have this promise. And when we go and proclaim the love of Jesus, we're not alone. Next time someone picks a stone um, at you, um, let's think about these four things that we'll learn today. Uh, and in the words uh, of, of Paul, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. Um, thank you for unveiling these truths uh, in our eyes. They were able to love because you first loved us. They were able to bless because you first bless us. They were able to forgive because you forgive us. Father, they were able to seek peace because we know what peace is. For you have shown it to us. Father, we pray that in the, in the wars and in the battles that we're waging in our hearts and our minds, in the conflicts that we have in our relationships, in the animosity that is shown to us uh, by the world, that your word would speak louder into our hearts and that you will help us to be envoys of peace and love. We pray these in the name of your Son, our Lord, our King, our Savior, our Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And as one people we can say, Amen.